What is up, team? Welcome back to the show. Today, I am joined by Courtney Reedy. Courtney, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. So before we get into the topic, can you just give the listeners that might not know a quick background or a quick intro to who you are and what you're up to right now? Absolutely. So my name is Courtney. I am an online nutrition and fitness coach with Physique Development, and I've been part of the coaching team for about a year and a half. Um, I love what I do. I think this type of work is more than a privilege because it's one of the best feelings to be able to equip people with the knowledge and the skills and the tools to help them take control of their health and their lives in a whole new way. Um, Because it's that knowledge and guidance that unlocks this amazing type of internal power and peace. Um, And I started learning about nutrition and weight training my freshman year of college at IU, go Hoosiers. Um, That's when I fell in love and I was just fascinated by our bodies and the power of food and movement. And I was totally self-taught at the time, but honestly, Back then, I struggled with navigating what was true with all the information I was finding online. And I built some habits and routines and mindsets that I know now did not serve my health. Um, So fast forward several years later, um, I'm probably in the best physical shape I've been in with the best internal health I've ever had for sure. And I'm now certified as a nutrition coach and personal trainer. And I have the knowledge and experience around like what works and what's good for our health long-term and what's actually going to help drive the physique results that clients want to achieve. I love it. And yeah, to your point, it is such a cool thing. I know I feel like once a week or once every couple of weeks, I have this moment of realization where it's like, it's so crazy that this is just what we get to do. Like, this is what I get to do with the job because I, I think it's easy to look at anything. And like, of course there's stressful times and there's challenging times, but it's like, man, I would not do anything else if I could choose. And I know that like, we were talking about your background and like working full time and also doing this previously before you transitioned to doing this full time. And it's like, I, I, I see myself in the same position where like, if I was doing something else, I would definitely like still be doing this on the side. One thing I wanted to ask you about a bit, you referred to, just because this is something that I've struggled with a bit myself, you referred to like at least initially being most self, mostly self-taught. And if I'm correct, it sounds like most of your education in this realm has come from like just working with other mentors and other people in the space. Um, and which is kind of where I'm coming from. Is, is that accurate? First of all, yes and no. So I uh-huh. do have anecdotal experience as being a, Um, client for several years of first Mm. Alex Bush and then Sue Bush. Um, Mm. But I have my nutrition certification through Precision Nutrition and I'm a NASM certified PT. So um, I have both years of anecdotal um, experience and mentorship and like learning through our company physique development. We have Mm. like a pretty robust educational routine and um, I should say like curriculum that we've gone through around program design, as well as um, like nutrition from our registered dietitian on the team. And we do a lot of like team um, education sessions. And then of course, my, my formal certifications as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, I, I was just curious your thoughts because I know like that's something in the past where I, like, I don't have a college degree in the belt, for example. And that's similar to you have a few certifications and like where our team is in a mentorship with Alex right now. So 
I've seen at least I think a, a glimpse of like what your educational program looks like. And yeah, it's, that is very impressive. I've been blown away actually to the, the depth that that goes into. It's such an interesting thing though. I feel like I've like had these periods of time where it's like, man, I feel like so much of my knowledge is from like, I've invested in other mentors, I've invested in other coaches. I wish I was that person that could just like, well, this study from 1996 showed this and then like they, but it's, it's just kind of, kind of a different side change. Anyways, um, to get into the topic for today, really what we wanted to dig into was centered around how to master these all important fundamentals to physique development before you kind of start worrying about the nuances. So first of all, can you tell us why this is a topic you're passionate about? Yeah, good question. I think I sort of alluded to it like in my intro, if you will, but because I'm somebody who at one point had goals of like losing fat or building muscle, both really, and improving my health, um, but didn't have the formal background and didn't have a coach or a team in my corner. I didn't know where to turn. Um, so I went online and at the time I was on Instagram, um, which Instagram was a very different place in like 2013, 2014 following a lot of uh, physique competitors at the time. And so I was getting some information. IIFYM was huge at the time. So there's like all this noise and I really didn't know, um, like I would try things and see results, but I didn't necessarily understand the depth of how it was affecting my health long-term or even my progress long-term. And I did see some results, but unfortunately I got to a place where there was too much stress on my system. I wasn't eating enough to support my activity and my internal health was like not in an ideal place. And then I started to feel worse and I was not thriving um, to say the least. And so I'm so passionate about this a, because I've experienced that unknown place before and, you know, made some decisions that were great, but also some decisions that kind of hindered my health and progress at first. And then also I just see it all the time with people online, friends of mine, family, new clients, where they have all these questions. And I like almost smile when they ask them because I'm like, I've had that same question before. And like, it is, there's reason to want to believe like what X and Y are saying, but unfortunately that doesn't need as much attention or like, sure, that's important, but it's the top of the pyramid. Mm -hmm. And right now you don't have that base of the pyramid nailed down. And so it's like, these things will only go so far. You've got to have that foundation laid and be consistent and masterful at those underlying components. And um, that's what's going to keep your your results around. Like that's what's going to drive sustainable change. I believe so. Like I'm so passionate about that because I want my clients and everyone to learn how to do this on their own, like without a coach longer term, that's the ultimate goal. And so it's that education and like laying the foundation. That's so critical. Absolutely. Something this conversation always brings me back to is I remember when I was first watching, and I think it was before the muscle strength pyramid books had actually come out and Eric Helms had like the YouTube series on those. That for me was like right around like that 2014, 2015 time that for me was like the craziest thing, right? That was when I really first started understanding Christian. And I remember in his YouTube videos, he always had just these awful drawings on a whiteboard of a cart in front of a horse where it was like, don't put the cart in front of the horse, right? Which is like the whole concept of the muscle strength pyramids. It's like, what's our priority? Let's master this before we move on to the next thing. And there, like, as to your point, it reminds me of a conversation I was having with a client the other day where 
he was asking me about all these supplements that are, again, like going to be very marginal benefits, like, hey, should I invest in this? Should I invest in this? Should I invest in this? But then when we looked at like the equipment he has available, he has like, it's a strong dude, but he only has available like up to 35 pound dumbbells and a few bands. And I was like, hey, like from the money you could spend on this, like, you would probably get like a much more bang for a buck. If first we started investing in like, maybe some heavier dumbbells, for example. But I think it is so easy to get caught up in the kind of the sexy things that like supplements and things of that nature. Yeah. Not to say they don't make a difference, but it's so easy to get kind of like miss the forest for the tree, so to speak. So I would ask for you, are there a few details, so to speak, that make up the foundational components of the health and fitness journey that you think are often overlooked? Yes, exactly. And before I dive into those, I'll just say this is also one of the most rewarding parts of coaching. And I'm sure you understand, like helping simplify for clients, what is actually mm-hmm. worth their time and their energy and their money, because coaching is an investment, our health is an investment. And so I think it's like, I'm all about efficiency in general. So like, what is going to, you know, give me the most bang for my buck. Um, so I'll kind of rattle off a little list of some things that I think are often underutilized. The first is nutrient density. So how many nutrients are actually in the foods we consume? Fiber intake, our water intake, our digestive health, our daily movement or NEAT, our parasympathetic activity, uh, time in sunlight, stress and time management, adequate sleep, adequate recovery, resistance training, having performance-related goals, and then eliminating distractions and sort of understanding our non-negotiables in life. And to your point, these are not sexy. Like these are not flashy. Um, and they could seem kind of boring. Like if you're listening to this and you're like, all right, whatever, I've heard those a hundred times. Let's like get to the real stuff. Like what's really important. Please hear me when I say this is the real stuff. Like these are the things that paired with adequate food quantity are going to move the needle if you do them well and if you do them consistently for months and for years. Absolutely. And again, we'll dig deeper into each of those components here a bit. But I even like for this podcast, I think this is an important conversation to have because the reality is like a lot of the conversations we have on the show, we do dig pretty deep into the nuances like that last like three to five percent. But sometimes even like when clients hop on board with us, we kind of have to bring things back to hey, like, yes, we've talked about this and this is a cool thing that we can do in the future. But again, before we focus on like all these, even like we're talking about nutrient timing, before we focus on optimizing that, hey, we need to make sure first and foremost, you're just getting in enough protein in the day. We need to make sure you're hitting your macros and consistently training before we get into these more complex facets. So I would ask further, are there a few details that you think take up more space in people's minds or more attention or take up more attention than they should? Yeah. There are definitely some things that I think without proper context or um, really someone who has like the factual knowledge to kind of explain the why and how, there are some things that people spend a little time worrying about more than they need to um, or that receive a little more attention than they deserve. So for example, um, maybe the amount of calories that your watch says that you've burned or whether to buy, you know, organic foods versus conventional foods maybe intermittent fasting or really any kind of fasting, mild fluctuations on the scale. To your earlier point, supplements. Um, The time of day you like stop eating or start eating. 
food hacks. So things that are like sugar-free or low carb, um, the concept of confusing your muscles when you're in the gym, eliminating entire food groups or doing prolonged cardio. And let me just say like, again, I 100% have been in a seat where I was kind of overwhelmed by these things myself and trying to decipher which ones really mattered. And time and time again today, I have clients come to me with questions around these topics. And it's just the best thing ever to be able to tell them, you know, you don't have to worry so much about not eating after 7 p.m. or buying all organic food or taking five different supplements or cutting out carbs or doing hours of cardio. Because in the grand scheme of things, some of these things are either like misconstrued without proper context or not critical to driving the type of results you're trying to achieve. So why do you think it is that we see such a big trend in the industry right now, people just being, because it seems like, like if we look at the things you just listed there, it seems like most of the like gimmicky or quick fixes that we see promoted are focused around this. Why do you think it is that there's so much fixation on these things that in reality, we know aren't going to make that much difference? Honestly, part of it, I think is the stuff that we'll dive deeper into that I spoke to first, like the fundamentals, they take like they're probably the hardest to implement consistently because they take the most change to your literal lifestyle. You know, some of the, the, the latter list that I mentioned here, the things that I think sometimes get more attention than they deserve, they are like quicker, a little more convenient, if you will, um, or they're like a little more straightforward. And so some of the other stuff is like, you got to dig a little, you have to have persistence. You have to like, we'll talk about the mental transformation later too, but some of these other things, uh, you have to do them like a lot and they're going to shake things up for you in your day to day. Um, they're for the better. And really they're just additive, which again, like we could speak to you a little more, but they're all doing good things for you. They just take a little more like heavy lifting. I will, or if you will, but I'm curious to know your perspective. No, that's a wonderful insight. I, I very much agree. Like if everyone would love just a supplement that would get you shredded and even have to do any work outside of it, right? Or like, hey, I just need to implement intermittent fasting and that's the secret to everything that I've wanted, right? And I, that's a wonderful point where I think it is they're just easier to implement, thus they're easier to sell, right? It's not nearly as fun to market like the, hey, we just need to be so consistent for months and months and months with these basic foundational factors and that's where real change lies. No, I, I think that's a wonderful insight. I think you summed it up very well. So from there, let's revisit those important details you mentioned earlier. And if you could explain kind of how we identify when each one might be one of the primary details a client needs to make a bigger priority focus or focus, and then give a few examples for each about how we might go about improving that factor. Does that rambling question make sense? Yeah, absolutely. We'll go through the list and... I'll, I'll cruise through, but if there are like thoughts you have, just interrupt me. <laughs> Absolutely. I got you. All right. Perfect. Um, so the first fundamental, and these are in no particular order for the record, um, but eating foods with more nutrients. So this would be a focus area for a client. If someone is primarily eating processed foods or not many whole foods each day. So if this were the case, I might teach a client to start thinking about where their foods come from and if they can easily identify what's in their food. So for example, 
I know that an apple is an apple and it comes from a tree versus a cookie. There's a lot of things in there and I'm not exactly sure where they all come from. Um, I'd help the client learn about high quality, nutrient dense sources of proteins, fats, and carbs. I would help them add more of these foods to each meal and build more of a balanced plate with plenty of colorful vegetables, dark leafy greens, quality protein, quality carbs, and quality fats. Absolutely. And I think that, that to that point, that's, sorry for interrupting there. I think to that point though, this is something I think is overlooked quite often. And uh, one of my mentors, Brandon DeCruz, has a saying, a healthy body is a responsive body, which I absolutely love. And I think people underestimate how important micronutrient density is for our overall health and even our ability to see results, right? Even when we're looking at things like supporting your thyroid, right? Like micronutrients are going to be a very, very important piece of that. And we need, so I think that even like when I started coaching, one of my biggest regrets about my first few years in the space was myself not understanding this piece of it and focusing, well, yes, calories and calories out are important, like not understanding like, hey, we need all these micronutrients in place to also like support optimal health along the way. but go on. No, I totally agree. And I will say like, from what I'm seeing online and on social, like people are starting to talk a little bit more broadly about the quality of food and how foods are either going to, I think the phrase is like fight disease or fuel disease. And that's a pretty blunt statement, but really like the food quality does matter, not only with how you feel and operate internally, but how you're going to look externally. Like nuanced or like experienced mature coaches can look at a physique and be like, I can tell you eat quality food, or I can tell you don't have like the right ratio of whole foods to more processed foods. Like it becomes evident externally as well. So I just agree. (laughs) So another fundamental is increasing fiber intake. Um, so again, I think this is a little bit on the rise in social, which is good and it's important. Um, but it's similar to the first fundamental and this would be a focus area for a newer client if they weren't eating many whole nutrient dense foods, because those foods have more fiber than processed foods. So in this case, I would teach a client about the importance of fiber when it comes to our satiation and our digestion. Um, I would teach clients about which foods have quality fiber and provide suggestions about how to incorporate more fibrous foods. And then we might even set a fiber goal and monitor the client's response to the intake because everyone has slightly different fiber thresholds. And if you're increasing fiber for a period of time, you need to supplement that with enough water and kind of watch how quickly you scale because the body does have to adapt to the new fiber. And I would also explain how fiber from whole foods will always trump fiber from supplements um, or like the fiber in more processed foods. I love it. And I really like the top, the concept of monitoring fiber intake as well, because I think that one thing I've seen with some new clients, people think more fiber is always better when it's like, Hey, you are eating a huge amount of fiber. And this actually might be like all these digestive issues you mentioned was, well, I eat a lot of fiber. Sometimes we can actually benefit from titrating that down a bit, but again, kind of to a different topic. Um, but also just understanding the satiety that you get from that is such an important piece of this as well, right? I think, like, of course, one of the biggest reasons people struggle to stick to a diet is simply because they're so damn hungry. And increased fiber intake helps that aspect of it tremendously. But I, I agree. I think this is something that's often overlooked. Yeah. Um, 
Fundamental number three, drinking more water as you take a sip. So that's perfect. I would uh, focus on this for a client if somebody's not necessarily aware of their water intake or they're drinking well under 100 ounces per day. Maybe if they are experiencing digestive issues or they're feeling even like fatigued and less energized and like sleep is in a good spot. It could be they're dehydrated regularly. So in this case, I might set a water goal for the client where we work to consciously increase their intake throughout the day. And more specifically, I'd help them be mindful of hydrating first thing in the morning, um, just after sleep to get digestive, you know, processes moving, being thoughtful about how much they're drinking between meals versus during a meal because too much during a meal can also cause disruption. Um, and then also how much they're drinking before, during, and after exercise. Okay. Is there a typical like, hey, about this much water per day based on your body weight or, hey, we want to see urine about this color? Or is there a typical kind of guideline that you give there? For the like amount it can be very specific, but my broad sweeping generalized recommendation for most active adults is about a hundred ounces per day. That's like what we'd want to shoot for. And then when it comes to like going to the bathroom, you want like pale yellow to clear, I would say. Um, but I, you know, if you have a different recommendation, I'd love to hear it too. No, that's exactly what I typically do. I think the urine color chart and the Bristol stool chart, I'm like constantly yeah. sending people. Cool. Um, I think we're on the same page with that one. Yeah. Um, okay. So another fundamental, perfectly in line with this conversation, tuning into your digestion and how your body feels after you eat. So I will focus on this if my client has maybe been living with like mild discomfort or adverse symptoms for some time, uh, but they're not really sure like what's causing that discomfort or someone who has never been asked before how their digestive health is and how they feel after eating. And I found in this case, oftentimes the client will assume like everyone else feels the way that they feel and they don't know what they're feeling is actually abnormal or like they have power to improve. So in this situation, first we look at the habits and rituals around eating. So the environment in which they eat, their heart rate around the time that they're eating, how quickly they eat, how well they chew their food, their water intake during a meal. Then we look at the foods themselves. So what they're eating and that macro and fiber allotment and distribution, like how much of each macro you can tolerate in one sitting, um, how the foods are cooked even, um, making sure you're giving your body enough time to digest between meals, even the type of food like red meat versus white meat, cooked versus raw. Um, certain seasonings can be disruptive for people like garlic, for example. And we could even use a food journal to try and establish which meals or situations cause adverse symptoms for a client. And then finally, we could go into the person's posture, their breathing, their stress levels, and their sleep. Um, all of these things can also play into how well or how poorly you're able to digest. Okay. And I think this is another one that is so overlooked. I'm so glad that we touched on this one because there's the saying you are what you eat right? Which isn't necessarily true to a larger extent. It's much more like we aren't actually what we eat, but rather what we can absorb and assimilate. Like I can think of, um, one client that comes to mind is a client that had been trying to build muscle for years. He was eating extremely high calories, but he always struggled to build the muscle tissue. 
but he was in this place where his digestion was just constantly terrible. Um, basically like had constant diarrhea throughout the day and no one that he had worked with in the past had ever actually addressed the digestion facet of that. And it's okay. Like the reality is like, if we're in this place, a lot of these nutrients that you're taking in are essentially just going to be passing right through you. Right. So our first step before we focus on like pushing you into a building phase needs to be improving this, this aspect of it. And again, I just think that's, to your point, I think so many people think like, man, if I'm just like constantly having to go to the bathroom and just like think that's normal or never look at it past surface level, where this is definitely something that it's very individual when we're talking through like improving someone's digestion. But I do think it's something that needs to be discussed quite a bit more. Yeah, absolutely. I'm all about it. Let's talk all about digestion. Like we dive in week one and I think the client also just becomes more comfortable with talking about it after a little while, but it is powerful. And if you've some, if you're someone who's lived with rocky digestion and then you start to make improvements, it's pretty powerful how like much better you can feel. Absolutely. So the next fundamental is getting more meat or daily movement. That's not from exercise. So And I kind of, I pair this with the next fundamental, which is getting more time in sunlight each day or just natural vitamin D. So I will talk to this, talk about this with a client if they have maybe a sedentary job or demanding pressure from work or school that often ties them to a desk or people who don't have routines or systems in place to consciously get them outdoors or get them moving each day. Uh, Maybe people who work remote people who also have lower immune strength um, and sometimes people who struggle with like anxiety or have mental health struggles. So in this case, sometimes I'll set a small goal to just get outside each day or get a certain amount of steps in each day. And a lot of times I'll pair like the walks with an activity the person likes, like listening to their favorite podcast or having a meaningful conversation with like a loved one or listening to their favorite music that just puts them in a good headspace. Even taking that like walking time as just quiet reflection time to process or unwind. Um, so that's a big one. And I find that this can be like very peace, peace giving as well. It doesn't have to be strenuous. It shouldn't be. It's lower impact stuff you do that you could easily hold a conversation during. Absolutely. And I think this is probably one of the least sexy ones, but one of the ones that makes the most difference, right? Like if we look at us just getting clients moving more and getting sunlight, like one, we know, Hey, this is going to, of course, increase your knee. This is like, if we're looking at this concept of like energy flux or even less move less versus eat more, move more, we'll be able to shift more to that kind of high energy flux state, so to speak. Um, we can eat more food and maintain our body composition, which allows you to basically kind of get out of like a uh, more restrictive mindset. We can take it, we'll get more vitamin D, which as you I'm sure understand as well, like taking it back to the concept of micronutrients. So many people uh, need more vitamin D. It helps you get you in a parasympathetic state. Like there's so, there's so many benefits to it. So like with a client struggling to get in more daily movement, what are like some typical action steps you implement? So I will ask all about their daily routine to mm-hmm. understand when there might be periods of time where they could move. And I also like to learn about like their natural ebbs and flows energy wise and mm-hmm. try and figure out where they might have a lull and see if we can kind of cheat the system and incorporate some meat where they like typically might feel a little lull because, or if they're feeling like, 
really stressed and a little fired up and wired because taking some time to just step outside, maybe walk around, do some of those things that can bring you into that parasympathetic state can be truly like transformational midday um, or in the morning or in the evening. So we take a look at their routines and figure out when would you maybe benefit from stepping away from what else you're doing in that period of time to reset physically and mentally. Absolutely. I love that. One thing we try to implement with quite a few clients is like a walk early in the morning, again, get some sunlight early in your early in your day while set your circadian rhythm and like just focus on maybe setting intentions for the day, for example. Right. And then again, let's do that at the end of your work day to kind of book in the day to wind down. And then maybe if we compare just like a five minute walk after each meal, right. You know, that'll improve digestion, that'll improve insulin sensitivity. And typically I've kind of found like tying it to these specific points in your day. And the more routine we can create around this, the better, because otherwise typically what I've seen it turns into is like, Oh shit, it's 5 PM and I have 2,500 steps today. So then I just have to go walk for like 60 minutes. But it's definitely something I would say that's like a major focus we put on as well is just creating structure for what this looks like throughout the day. Yeah, I completely agree. I love that. Cool. Another fundamental would be doing enough resting, recovering, playing, like things that fill your cup. And so I would focus on this with a client who maybe is a higher stress individual or someone who is always on the go and rarely takes time for themselves. Maybe somebody who feels guilty if they're not accomplishing something every second of the day um, or someone who finds themselves struggling to just be present. So I would explain that time for rest and play is productive and that you are accomplishing something for your mental and physical health because we're activating our parasympathetic nervous system and we want to be parasympathetic dominant. Um, And I would give clients permission and actually set like goals or boundaries the same way we would around food or exercise or movement. Like you should try and stop work at X time each day or do something before you dive into work, like a walk in the morning Um, and just help them incorporate activities that they enjoy um, in their daily routines. And it doesn't have to be 30, 60 minutes. It could be five or 10 sprinkled throughout the day, but those things are going to bring so much more peace and help you Uh, feel better and just more equipped and able to like pour into the work when it is time to work. Is this something that's hard for you personally? Oh yeah. I literally have jotted down this (laughs) (laughs) and it's been worse. Like I would say I've come so far, but back in college and shortly after when I was beginning like my professional career in the corporate world, I had the hardest time just like chilling out. And I give all the credit to my now husband because when we were together, he'd be like, let's just like, it's cool. Like it is good and okay to just sit here and not be thinking about what's next. So I relate to this so much. And that's why I know how important it is because I felt the difference in myself over time. Oh, 100%. And I'm the same boat. It's funny. Like, I think every coach that I work with struggles with the same thing. And I'm just thinking through a conversation I had with a client yesterday who was a coach herself. And we were discussing, and like for her, Hey, I'm a coach and I talk about this with my clients constantly, but we had to just identify like, Hey, this is the thing that you also (laughs) need to put a priority on. Like when, so we're setting a goal of an hour a day, it's just like you time, right? It doesn't have to be focused to work. It doesn't have to be focused on the kids. This is just like you just whatever your guilty pleasure is. It is so interesting. I think that that's, 
like constantly a thing that comes up with clients where it's like, Hey, we have to actually put specific parameters around this. And sometimes like this is might be the biggest area you need accountability in because again, like I, so many people are in this place and this is kind of like, again, the pot calling the kettle black, because this is definitely something I struggle with as well. But I think it's so easy to fall in this place where even if we're looking at like your productivity within your work day, if you're constantly burning the candle at both ends, Oftentimes, if we can just like force ourselves, like I know for me, one of the most helpful things was I went through this 90 day block where I, my rule was no matter what, I'm done working at 6 p.m. And like before then I was working till like 10, 11 p.m. every night. It was crazy to me like, oh shit, when I do that, I actually get more done and I have like five more hours in the day. Like such, such a crazy concept, right? But I, I, I love this point because it's something that we're constantly talking about with clients as well. Yeah. And sometimes this can be the hardest one to your point. Like this can be very, very, very hard to adhere to, but you can also then push yourself because it's hard. Be like, this is hard and I'm a go-getter. Like sometimes we don't want to settle or like ease off. Cause we're like, no, like I am strong. Like I can push, you know, I have grit, but it's like channel that discipline to actually listening to the goal or the boundary you put in place to chill the app out. <laughs> That's such a good insight. It's kind of like, when a client needs to pull back with training or nutrition to get a better result. Like I think of the most recent podcast we did, it was around a woman that had lost her menstrual cycle that was just like doing 20 K steps a day, training six days a week. And it was like, Hey, the hard thing is going to actually be potentially having to pull back. And that's the thing that's best for you here. Right. Where it is like to an extent, I think that like I need to do more, I can need to accomplish more. I really, really like that perspective because that's actually new to me to like, Hey, maybe this is like, this is the most challenging thing, right? Like maybe this is the thing you need to attack. And right now by like leaning into just doing more, you're actually doing the thing that's easier, but not necessarily as beneficial. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like, it becomes a crutch. Like people who like are a little addicted to like the stress or like the go, go, go. I love that. Um, so another fundamental, wow, another seamless transition accidentally, <laughs> but managing time more effectively and optimizing your daily schedule. So I'll talk about this with a client who feels like life is sort of happening to them each day versus them holding the reins or a person who has never sat down and actually monitored how long different tasks throughout the day take them or a person who feels like often disorganized or like they're always running behind. So in this case, I would encourage the client to spend at least a week actually writing down all the things they do throughout the day from morning to night and how long it's taking them. I've done this myself. It definitely takes some time, but it is so enlightening to see on paper how you're using your time. And it really creates like very clear opportunities for when you can lump tasks that are similar versus trying to like bounce from task to task, 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 do things of similar nature, you know, one at a time to be more efficient and to stay in the right zone. Um, you can clearly see like when you might get distracted, where you tend to like lean, like if you are on your phone more than you realize, or you're scrolling around on random websites more than you realize. Um, and you can find opportunities to reorder tasks to better suit your natural highs and lows. So for example, several months ago, um, before I was coaching full-time and I was doing it part-time with my other job, I would typically wake up and have caffeine probably like first thing in the morning I'd have water, but then I'd have caffeine and then I would sit down 
and I would just dive in and work all day. And then literally it would be five or 6 PM and I would have like 200 steps and I would have like hit a lull around like three or 4 PM and just like tried to power through, but I know I'm not being efficient, like as I'm working. And then I'd be like, okay, day is done, you know, time to go move. And then I would have to spend literally like two or more hours to just like get my movement in and like that feel good. And I was doing that every day. And so finally I was like, all right. enough of this. Let's try to be better. And so now I'm still testing. Like I love being your own experiment, like always trying new things. Um, but where I'm at right now and what I've been enjoying is I get up a little earlier. I spend some time. I do a little walk outside. You know, I do like a little devotional or reading or something of that nature. That's calming. And I have decaf and then I work And then about an hour before I train, I have caffeine and I use it more of a tool, more as a tool to like rev me up and help me perform. But that also the training in the caffeine midday kind of cheats through that lull I used to experience. So then I come back from training. I've got high energy endorphins. I'm still running on a little caffeine and then I can have a really efficient, massive work block and then still end my day at a decent time. And have way more movement, you know, wrap up maybe with a little walk after dinner or to, to wind down. Um, but those are just like some examples of ways you can kind of hack your schedule. Absolutely. I found actually something that I picked up from Alex was just constantly using timers to where, okay, I eat a meal. I set a two and a half to three hour timer. I know I have to get as much as possible done within this. And then I'm going to eat my meal, go for a walk and kind of rest and repeat. But what I found similar to your point is I'm so much more productive in that place versus if it's just, okay, I'm going to sit here for 10 hours and just bust out as much work as possible, right? Like maybe those first three to four hours are productive. But I know for me, like after that, like two and a half hour, three hour point, things are starting to wane off where it's interesting because it feels like, again, this very much ties into your last point where it feels like you're being less productive if you're taking time away from it, but you just end up getting so much more done in a day if you can like be a little bit more strategic with that approach. Yeah. And I actually just made a post about this where I'm recommending writing out an agenda for your upcoming day and giving yourself realistic timestamps for each task and incorporating mm-hmm. things like eat like get ready, like change the laundry, like take a walk because those take up valuable time. But when you have a realistic schedule and you know how long certain tasks will take you to complete, you're basically creating a surefire plan that you'll get your most important things done, but you're also going to be able to care for yourself in terms of like eating or moving. And you won't end the day feeling discouraged because you've gotten the most important things done and you've taken care of yourself health wise. So you're going to be like feeling okay. And that does again, take time, but but it brings me so much peace. And so like, if I could recommend one thing to anybody, it'd be like, create an agenda and like, don't knock it till you try it. Cause it's, it's good. I couldn't agree more. Um, all right. So another fundamental getting better at identifying stressors and creating plans for how to eliminate them or work through them. So this is helpful for a client who obviously might feel stressed all the time or someone who just kind of feels like they're always spiraling. And shameless plug, Coach Caleb and Sue from Physique Development just recorded an awesome, very thorough podcast on this topic. So I do recommend anyone listening, go check that out because I've sent that to like all of my clients and it was good for me to hear too. Uh, But in summary, the podcast really talks about how it's critical to identify what is actually causing your stress 
Some are acute, you know, some are chronic, um, but then put those root causes on paper and then face each one and identify how to handle it. So some stress you can actually eliminate, which takes some change, but like you actually have power to influence how the stress is impacting you. And then in some cases you can work through a stress, but having it on paper and then creating a plan versus just like letting it loom over you can be so relieving. Um, and then some are like big life stressors that are more chronic that you have no control over. And in those cases, working with a professional to cope or process can be so helpful, like the loss of a loved one, for example. Absolutely. And I'll also make sure that I link up that podcast and that show notes just so the listeners can check that out as well. Awesome. Thank you. Another huge, huge fundamental is getting better sleep quality and quantity. So I might work on this with a client who is continuously sleeping less than seven or eight hours or somebody who wakes up multiple times each night or who rarely feels rested upon waking. So really what we do in this case is evaluate and adjust their routines because there's so much that can cause a disruption in sleep. So we talk about caffeine, we talk about food and meal timing, we talk about movement and movement timing, we talk about stressors with work. You know, I might ask questions, lots of prompting questions like, why are you going to bed when you go to bed? Why are you waking up when you wake up in the middle of the night? In a perfect world, what would your sleep schedule look like? And what's a couple things we can do to like become closer to that ideal state? Is there anything we can do to improve your environment for sleep, like your bedroom? Are you getting enough time in the sun each day? And then of course, kind of a second tier is like, are there things we can incorporate as supplements like magnesium glycinate or even some type of CBD oil? So those are a couple of things I'll do for sleep. I love that. And that does really tie back to as a whole, just the discussion around time management and structure. I think that like when we implement that and even like, Hey, when are we walking again? Like how are things we're doing impacting your your circadian rhythm? Do we typically like have a consistent, a relatively consistent time we go to bed and wake up? Like the more routine we can create around all these things, the easier all this gets. Exactly. And then it becomes more second nature, like a point that I, should definitely make here is like these all take work and different results take different efforts. But when you focus on one or two at a time and you build structure and you stay focused and you become consistent, eventually these things will become more second nature and just kind of like part of your new lifestyle. So there is like a front loading effect where you've got to be more diligent and consistent, set timers, add things on your to-do list, like tell people around you, I'm trying this new thing, like support me. Um, but eventually it just becomes part of the way that you do life. Right. Yeah. The more it becomes a habit, the less effort it takes. Right. But as you said, it is going to take some work up front to turn it into a habit. Exactly. Another fundamental, um, I think this is number 11, <laughs> if you are a woman, making sure you have a proper understanding of what a healthy natural menstrual cycle looks like 
and how a menstrual cycle impacts, impacts other aspects of our physiological and mental health. And then also, if you are on hormonal birth control, making sure you understand how hormonal birth control actually works in our bodies and what the body will go through if and when you decide to come off of birth control. Um, this is also something I'm very passionate about because I was on hormonal birth control for a period of time. Um, and in my situation, it was sort of band-aiding um, a root cause of actually not having enough body fat and being chronically stressed. Cause when I came off the pill, my acne that I had taken the pill to support like came back and I did not have a, a natural menstrual cycle for years and had to work with multiple professionals alongside my coach, Alex at the time to learn how to feel my body properly and improve my internal health. So I'll have this conversation with a client who's been on birth control and coming off of it or who has not had a menstrual cycle regularly for months or years, or someone maybe who has severe PMS, or a client who has been on hormonal birth control but never told like all the facts about what it does to the body and how it works. And so in this case, I am not a hormonal specialist, so I'm very careful not to step outside my scope, but I will share helpful resources and information about natural cycles, hormonal harmony, how a healthy cycle should feel, how to track a healthy cycle. Um, there are specific foods you can incorporate to help with symptoms of specific hormone imbalances, there are supplements that I can recommend. And then of course I can refer out to hormonal specialists. Absolutely. And I think this in itself could be like an entire podcast, especially when we're talking okay. about birth control. But I think one of the most important facets you touched on there was just keeping your coach in the loop with what is going on with your cycle. Um, the frequency of it, like what your symptoms are throughout that. I know a lot of the clients that I work with initially will start like, Hey, this might be TMI, but like, this is going on. It's like, this isn't an all TMI. Like it is so important that I am in the loop with this because this is such a good marker of where your overall health is at. Right. And we need to make sure this is something that we're monitoring. So now I, I think that's such, again, like if you are a client working with a coach, I think that's such a valuable thing to kind of keep your coach in the loop on. Yeah, absolutely. Another fundamental is making sure you're recovering enough from your training. And when I say that, I mean by means of food, rest days, sleep, etc. So I might focus uh, with this for a client who has significant delayed onset muscle soreness, you know, one, two, three plus days after training, um, or they're just feeling exceptionally gassed after training like day after day after day so we would look at peri-workout nutrition water intake sleep and then of course even consider volume of the current training program um, because each person can only tolerate so much volume and too much volume can cause soreness can disrupt sleep can disrupt digestion etc absolutely and i think at least from what i see anecdotally it is very rare that someone starts the coaching process coming from like, hey, yeah, I just haven't really been doing anything. It's almost always like, hey, I've been doing so much. I've been training six or seven days a week. I do three to four day workouts per week. I am eating like a thousand calories a day, right? It's so common to like always like more, 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 and more effort is like the missing piece is like what so many people think where it's like, I need to train more, I need to eat less, like push more in the deficit, so to speak when so many times that isn't the answer. Yeah, and I think sometimes people who are like doers and pushers and do more, 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 
Um, it's almost to them. It sounds too good to be true. And I was in this boat too. And it was like, no, you shouldn't train five days a week and do all this cardio and eat this low intake. You should be eating more, doing a little less cardio and like maybe taking one extra rest day. And it's like, Hmm, like, I think you're kidding. I think you're joking. Like you're trying to pull one over on me, but that's, what's so freeing. And like, so cool to sit here as coaches and be like, no, trust me. Like, please trust me. You're going to feel better and you're going to look better too. Like with time. Absolutely. And that's always something that does take a little bit of buy-in. I think the first few weeks is like, Hey, just trust me for three, four weeks. Let's see how you feel. Again, we don't have to be married to this if it doesn't seem to be most beneficial, but I don't think there's ever been a time where it's like, Oh, Hey, that actually didn't work. Okay. Let's wrap you back up to what you were doing before. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, another big fundamental is following intelligent weight training programs, incorporating periodization and moving from one stimulus to the next before you hit that point of diminishing returns. So I focus on this with all of my clients who I'm designing training for. Um, but specifically I'll I'll focus on this with someone who comes to me and who's essentially been the same type of training stimulus for months. So like, for example, somebody who's done orange theory or F45 for months or years, that person has primarily been training in a metabolic stimulus and they need time away from that to actually recover and for those adaptations to take hold. Um, And so like a client who's in a situation like this typically will start to plateau or even look or feel worse despite being consistent with their, you know, exercise routine. So again, for all of my clients, I design personalized programs that are periodized based on their goals And we're carefully always monitoring biofeedback and how they're progressing through their training to determine when it's time to move them to the next program or stimulus. I love it. And again, this could be like digging into like moving through these different phases or these different stimuli or like even discussing the concept of trainability that in itself could be such like an entire podcast. But I think again, just like assessing, okay, what have I been doing? And how is that working, right? So many people get caught up in, especially with their training, just doing the same thing over and over and over for years, where we have to look at like, hey, is this really eliciting the changes that you want to see, right? It might feel hard. You might work up a good sweat. You might like feel the burn, so to speak. But are you actually, is your physique actually changing the way that you want it to? Exactly. Yeah, that reflection and like auditing is absolutely critical. Cool. And then the last one that I have here is implementing performance-related goals in the gym. Um, So I might talk about this with a client who is primarily focused on the scale or is driven by like a goal weight um, or a client who has never had a performance-related goal or maybe never thought of themselves as athletic. And it can be so fun and empowering to set and go after a performance-related goal. So I'll talk to the client about like what they want to improve. Um, obviously like strength is a huge one. Um, but exercise execution is so critical for all clients because this is just going to make you more efficient in the gym and you're going to get better results faster and you'll feel better as you train. Um, we could talk about core strength, stability, agility, power, flexibility, endurance, or conditioning as well. All of those things you can couple with like external physique goals because working towards these things is so, so fun and they have functional benefits as well. It's not just like 
being able to jump high in a gym is going to only serve you there. Like you're building a lot of other strength and benefit physically to serve you in your daily life as well. Absolutely. And I think it's so beneficial for so many people to get out of looking at just where the scale is at as the only metric for success, right? Because so many people will realize like, hey, maybe my body weight is the same, but my body composition looks so much different. That is because like, hey, we've been focusing on these strength goals. I feel so much stronger. Um, I can lift so much heavier weights. And I think that that's such a good point with like, we need to have these other metrics that we're looking at and gauging success based on outside of just where the scale is at. Now, one thing you mentioned in your outline that I really liked was acknowledging that mastering the fundamentals takes effort. Can you explain why this was something that you wanted to hit on? Yes. I would say like kind of like what we mentioned earlier, some of those other things are a little more quick fixy or convenient, but these types of things require change to your daily routine on a regular basis. So it's going to impact you know, the way that you're operating and likely other people in your life as well. And that can be hard. So what I recommend doing is like sitting yourself down and picking one or two of the fundamentals. It's so much better to focus on one or two small, meaningful things versus trying to revolutionize your life with drastic change or like dive into all of these fundamentals at once. Cause chances are you're not going to be successful And it's going to be too much to swallow or you'll do stuff like hardcore for a few weeks and then fall off. And again, we're trying to like build and just continuously improve, like always be 1% better every day. So if you can sit down, pick one or two things and then ask yourself, what do I want to do related to this fundamental? And then what needs to happen every month, every week, every day? even every hour for me to actually start making this happen. And if you do that and like you write it out or you think through that, then you'll have your answer for what you need to start doing. But as you can imagine, we just talked about many things. So to actually get to a place where you feel like you're executing on those things and serving yourself well, like a well-oiled machine, it's just going to take time. Um, And that's, you know, the name of the stinking game. Like this stuff takes time. It's a process. That's why you have to be patient and dedicated and persistent and consistent because these things take time. I love that. And I know you also mentioned that mastering these fundamentals is additive. Can you explain what what you mean by that? Yeah, I think that is such an important point. It's by working on these fundamentals, you're adding so many good things to your life, like more nutrients, more sleep, more rest, more water, tactics to reduce your stress and manage your time better, you know, getting time back to do things that serve you versus create more of a spiral mentally or physically. You're adding time to play, time to digest, time to recover, et cetera. And this is like I was mentioning, a mental transformation. And you have to understand your behaviors on a deeper level too. Um, If someone's working to improve their health, you have to work on the mental side of things just as much as you work on the physical. So as you're serving yourself physically, going through these type of change, doing that that self-auditing, that reflection consistently, that's going to just help you mature and improve mentally too. I, I couldn't agree more with all of that. And what I will say is 
you know, not having these fundamentals locked down will only get you so far with making progress. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to realize like you're not going to feel better if you're consistently not getting enough movement, not getting enough sleep, if your stress is not well managed, or if you're not recovering from workouts, etc. Like those things can and will derail you from your progress mentally and or physically. So that's where that self-auditing and continuous reflection on your mindsets and your behaviors is a great way to hold yourself accountable. Um, But what I will also say is a coach will also hold you accountable because they can sometimes see things we can't. You know, they'll see where there's some sort of barrier or limiting factor, and they can help you identify what that is and maybe some of those initial steps to implement change. Because I think a qualified coach is ultimately there to educate you and guide you toward taking that more comprehensive approach to your health and fitness journey, which inevitably is going to improve your quality of life. I I couldn't agree more. And again, like it's to speak to this whole conversation, like uh, as coaches ourselves, we both have coaches. And I think that is such an important piece of this where like having someone there to help you look at things objectively to kind of be able to look at this from like a less emotional perspective and see like where these gaps might need to be or like, Hey, maybe this is where we do need to bring it back to focus on fundamentals over focus on all these nuances. It's such an important thing. And I think like as whole as a whole, they like kind of put a bow on this. I would say really, if like any of this resonated with you, or if you feel like you're in a place where you are struggling to progress, despite feeling like you were doing a lot of work it could very well be that you're probably you're potentially too focused on again all these nuances versus just extreme consistency with the fundamentals that you discussed so i really think this is going to be such a valuable resource for so many of the listeners because we can go back and like audit okay before i am focused on all these like minor nuances am i truly mastering all these fundamentals and doing those on a consistent daily weekly monthly basis Exactly. Yeah. I so hope this was helpful for anyone listening. If you've got questions, like reach out to me or Jeremiah, we clearly love and could talk about this kind of stuff forever. So. (laughs) Absolutely. So before I let you go, will you just let the listeners know where they can find you and anything at all you'd like to plug? Sure. Uh, So I would say the best place to reach me is Instagram and my handle is Courtney K O R T N E Y. R-I-E-D-Y-Y, Courtney Reedy, my name. Um, And just shoot me a DM or message me because I'd love to have a conversation with you if there's ever um, something you want to talk about or if you'd like to consider the opportunity to work with me uh, one-on-one. I do nutrition and training coaching, uh, one or the other or both. So you can always reach me there. And I do have availability on my roster right now as I am growing. Perfect. I will link all that up in the show notes. And per usual, I always like to link up the physique development website, the physique development YouTube, because there's so many valuable resources there as well. And again, we've learned a ton from your team. So I always appreciate anyone from the team hopping on the show, but thank you for being here again. I know this is going to be so valuable for the listener. Thanks so much for having me. This was fun. (laughs) Of course.